And it was mainly because I lived in a, a, a city in the UK called Sheffield, um, which is quite an industrial um, mm-hmm. city. Um, so all of a sudden, because I've got friends and family in the, in the industrial, um, it, working in factories and things like that, that having some type of creativity and ability to draw or make things, they start spotting opportunities for, for me, even as a teenager, oh, could, could our son can just draw this or my nephew can do this. And I, all of a sudden I started like designing things, not that mm. I really knew it at the time. Um, and then it wasn't at like 15, I started actually doing work experience at a local silverware company, um, making little products um, in silver. Um, but then after graduating from university, I, I stumbled upon a job at Eton College in the UK. Um, so I was a teacher for a year after after graduation as well, which is a really, really interesting experience from for me. Mm. Um, hopefully, the listeners will 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 know what who what Eton College is, but it's a very prestigious school in the UK. Um, and I wasn't from that background, so it was a really amazing journey for me to all of a sudden be meeting a lot of people that I would never have had their chance to meet before. And I think I learned a lot in that first year about um, people really and the different experiences people have and different cultures they come from and and really opened my mind a lot. Mm. And I think that was really important as a designer as well to to think broader and bigger than, than, than your current situation. Mm. Also helped me with presentation sc- skills because standing in front of a group of of like 18 year old boys and you're only 21 <laughs> and is, oh, you'd, uh, have been, you'd have been you'd have been ripe for the taking <laughs> exactly very daunting and very nerve-wracking but it it really pushed my threshold so that all of a sudden standing in front of, if i'm standing in front of now hundreds of people doing doing talks and things i'm not as nervous as i used to be and mm. um, so a few different skills and the reason I'm going back this far is they all contribute obviously towards Mm. then when I eventually joined the the kind of branding industry and and I I joined that in my early 20s in the UK again um, at a company called 1HQ um, in Windsor Um, and I was with them for four or five years and whilst I was there as like a, a, a designer I actually they gave me loads of different opportunities to work in a variety of different departments. So mm. I did a lot of strategy. Um, I was doing some planning. I was doing, uh, they trained me out to be a semiotician, um, ethnographic researcher. And I went wow. to loads of different parts of the world doing ethnographic research. Um, my favorite one was in Brazil with Nokia doing some ethnographic research. And it was a really, really good place for me to get a solid foundation in a variety mm. of creative skills. Um, to the point where after that four or five years, I decided to go freelance in London and jump around some of the, the international agencies with the ambition to then go and work somewhere globally because I'd always had a lot of um, appreciation and respect for, for designers or people in the creative industry that have worked all over the world. I think it's linked to that 
the idea that we've got to design for people. So you really want to meet lots of different people and travel mm. and expose yourself to a lot of different people. Welcome to the Brand Master Podcast, show specialized in helping branding professionals and entrepreneurs to build brands using strategy, psychology, and creative thinking. What's up, Brand Builders? Stephen Hurahan here on the Brand Master Podcast. And in this episode, I'm joined by Mr. Jacob Castneo. Jacob, as you may or may not know, is a friend of mine and we go way back. So this one is a little bit different. It's just a little bit of a chat about branding, brand strategy, the evolution of branding and the journey that we've both been on to get to where we are today, the mistakes that we've made along the way, the challenges that we found out. So this one's a little bit more casual. It's a little bit more relaxed, but if you want to learn how to avoid the major challenges within the branding industry if you're becoming a brand strategist. And if you want to learn what's in future for branding and the world of brand strategy as we move into Web3 and NFTs, then join us for this episode of the Brand Master Podcast where we get a bit casual and just talk about where we've been and where we're going. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Master Podcast. And I'm delighted to have Tom Gilbert on the show with us today. Now, Tom is the executive creative director at uh, at DesignBridge there in Shanghai. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. And I'm looking forward to getting into a chat with you about many things, including brand experience, experiential design. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. Now, I, I want to run through a, a few questions in relation to your role where you are, because just for, for your knowledge, a lot of our listeners are either building brands themselves or they're professional brand builders. So there's a lot of interest in you know, top agencies, the processes they go through, you know, what's important to them. Can, can you tell us first a little bit about your journey to how you became a founding partner and an executive creative director there at DesignBridge in Shanghai? Yeah, well, I suppose I thought these questions like how far back do you, do you go? Because it is a bit of a cliched like answer to this question, but I do feel like I was one of those kids that started in a, a very creative um zone because I even as a kid I was sort of really interested in art and and things like that and making things and but it wasn't until teenage years that I started to realize what that could eventually be so kind of naturally grew into being an industrial designer which is what I'm trained to do mm. um, and that's what I studied at university mm. so in 2010 I ended up moving to Singapore and joined um, DesignBridge. So I've been with DesignBridge for like 11, 12 years now. No. Um, and in that t- whole time period, I've, again, meandered a little bit in different roles, but it's mainly been starting in industrial design, leading an industrial design team here in Singapore. But then as things developed and experience design started to become terminology within the industry, we also started to evolve. And we went from just industrial designers to having CGI artists and environmental designers, events designers, digital designers, motion designers. And we started expanding the team into a a really kind of 
mixed discipline team um, and a lot of collaboration to the point where we would, even from Singapore, we were doing lots of projects globally for, mm. for some of our studios. That was really good until 2017 when they gave me a new challenge to go to China and start the Shanghai Studios. That's the founding partner part of my title right. is that I'm the founder of the Shanghai Studio. Mm. Um, and I went there, started 2018. And yeah, I've been the ECD of, of Shanghai ever since. There was but, is one tiny blip in that is that I'm now in Singapore because of the uh, pandemic and I've been stuck here. Quite yeah, you got years. shut out, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've been, I've been working remotely ever since. But in some ways, that's also been an interesting journey because I've now become this kind of accidentally become a bit of an expert in remote working wow. <laughs> because I was just thrown into the situation at the start wow. of the pandemic and you all of a sudden... Yeah, using lots of different tools that you weren't using before yeah. in order to keep things working. So yeah, abso absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of that as well. Like Miro is, is, has, has really taken off. It's a, it's, a, it's a great tool. But it's, look, yeah. it's, it's great to hear that kind of uh, background, you know, coming up from, from the working class being thrown into, you know, the private school sector and your all the the different elements of your journey and and really going into freelance as well. So you were a freelance graphic designer, were you? No, industrial design. Industrial designer. Okay. Yeah, working which, but working in the branding industry, which people also find a bit strange because mm. you're like, well, wait a minute, yeah, isn't branding to do with graphics? But yeah, as we probably know, and a lot of your listeners will know that it's much more than that. Actually, yeah. it's a multi-sensorial um um this this yeah branding is multi-sensorial and and 3d form mm. it's obviously a huge factor in that um, yeah so there are industrial designers that work within the branding industry creating different physical experiences well um, that's 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 something that I, that I want to jump into you about um a little bit later on is that experience but really I mean I understand from my role that there are so many different facets of uh, design when considering the brand, but even I hadn't considered the industrial element of, of, of brand design. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of great to see that. And anybody who hasn't come across Design Bridge before, take a look at uh, Google Design Bridge and have a look at the work. It's some awesome, awesome work. It's, it's, it's really great work. And then, you know, I, I, I like to to have a look at what uh, top agencies are doing out there because it's you know just to kind of get a feel for that top level work. It's 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 really awesome. The work that you you guys do is is really really great. But how would you actually position uh, yourselves, or how do you position yourselves as an agency? What's your what's your target market? Because you do a lot of different things within the realm of design. What, what's your position and, and do you have a focus on, on, on branding and brand design? Tell me a little bit about that and a little bit about yeah. your target market. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we're a global brand design agency. That's how we'd describe ourselves to people. But obviously that's quite broad. Um, so how we're positioned really is, is to, it's to do with working, having very, very close relationships with multinationals really. That's, so we've got a lot of long-term relationships with multinationals. Mm -hmm. um, 
And Design Bridge is 35 years old. And mm. some of those relationships go back 35 years. Wow. So when I say multinationals, we're talking about companies like Unilever or Diageo and the, the big multinational companies like that, that are, are traditionally were in kind of consumer goods. A lot of, we did a lot of FMCG consumer goods um, branding, mm-hmm. but over that 35 year period, obviously we've diversified as well and work in a variety of different sectors. Um, and the way we're positioned, because we've got five studios across the globe in, in New York, London, Amsterdam, Singapore, and Shanghai, and we've, we're currently in the midst of opening up Mumbai as well. Mm-hmm. We, we've got strategic, their strategic locations to help us um, make sure that we can deliver global brand design in all these different markets, which are the dominant markets in the world, mm. um, but also make them locally relevant instead of a, some other global design agencies are working in a way that's quite monolithic and, and kind of one brand fits all type of approach. And mm. um, whereas we're strategically positioned to locally evolve the brand to make sure it fits with local consumer needs mm. um, and resonates with, with local consumers so that they can kind of, yeah, build that that brand love. Um, well, uh, so, yeah, like yeah. To, to to have that history to call upon and those relationships uh, to call upon, uh, coupled of course with the with the amazing work that you guys do, it must open up so many different doors. Are you involved at all in the in the onboarding of of new clients? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, weirdly, the the reason today that straight after this um this session with you i've got a a three-hour training session actually with a new client wow um where i'll be kind of yeah conducting a a, a training session that so what would you train them in it's kind of how to how we work um well i'll start actually with with what is branding and talk about the principles mm. of branding yeah um and referencing a lot of of, of different material particularly um kind of um Byron Sharp's How yep. Brands Grow is mm-hmm. a classic, a bit yep. of a, a Bible now for, for marketeers. So, yep. and a lot of multinationals reference that as well. So, mm-hmm. using some of the principles from that um, and then expanding that into our, our way of working um, to, to help build that relationship and how we work closely together as, as partners with our clients mm. and then going into a bit more granular detail, going through phase by phase, what a project might look like. So, mm-hmm. that, and we do all this at the start of relationships to really help make, make sure that we're all on the same page and that we know how we work. Yeah. You, yeah. you nearly took that question. You, you did take that question right out of my mouth. It was, it was, do you do this to make sure, because these are multinationals, right? They're not coming across branding for the first time. So really yeah. that, that onboarding and that training is just to really clarify that this is what branding means to us. Let's be sure that we're on the same page. So that's, that's why you run them through that training. And I, I, yeah. I really, um, I really believe in the philosophy of education um, when it comes to clients, because at the end of the day, they are great at doing what they do. Branding is not their field. Branding is not their area of specialty. And there is a, 
you know, there is an education gap often that needs to be closed before diving into the work that you do together. Otherwise, you know, you're going to, you're going to come across problems down the road. If you're, if you mm. don't kind of, uh, you know, collaborate, if, if you don't align from, from the get-go, yeah. what, what kind of challenges, because the, again, these are global companies, these are global brands. What kind of challenges are they coming to you with? Oh, um, that, that, I suppose that question keeps evolving as, as it's so heavily linked to, to culture um, and global mm -hmm. trends as well. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot, there's a lot of kind of sustainability challenges going on at the moment, which is, is great that we're, that we're in part of um, for sure. Um, other trends that I'm experiencing is, Premiumization. I mean, some of some markets, like especially in, in China, there's still mm -hmm. a big surge in premiumization. Um, some of other markets experienced that um, probably 10, 15 years ago. I remember at the start of my career in, in Europe, there was a lot of this kind of premiumization and good, better, best strategy yeah. in terms of portfolios. And mm -hmm. a lot of that is going on now in China. So we're doing a lot of things like that. Um, I don't want to, well, yeah, I'll use the, the word nationalization or nationalism, I suppose. But we all know that think trends like, like well, things that happened in, in, in the globe, like Brexit and Trump going into power in America and, yeah, and countries like China being quite nationalist mm -hmm. as well, that brands are having to adapt more locally now to be more mm -hmm. and more locally relevant to to those to, to countries that are getting that national pride back now rather mm -hmm. than constantly thinking about globalization and and having like one brand that fits all all over the world. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like in the last five or so years, probably yeah, a bit longer, um, there's been a little bit of a pivot there where people are starting to adapt their brands a little bit to make them feel a bit more locally relevant in yeah. different markets. Yeah, well, it's the whole yeah. Marty Newmar uh, zag principle. You know, there, mm. there's been such a push to globalization in the past few decades that, you know, it becomes this, this uh, overworn path that, you know, there, there is no differentiation there anymore. And kind of taking yeah. a step back, um, to look at the, the benefits of, you know, this sense of national pride in the way kind of, let's say, Paul Smith does, uh, you know, embracing that culture. Uh, you yeah. know, there's, there's, a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of credence to that strategy now when you see the globalization of, of so, many different, uh, so many different brands and how indifferent that is now. Um, do you, do you, of course, when you take on a new client, you obviously bring them through this training process. I'd imagine that's the very beginning of a, um, the, the very first step of a, a longer process. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that process looks like, or is it different for, for every client? Oh uh, yeah, it's, I would say it's different for every client and, and different categories as well. Um, that's why we don't do training for all our clients because some are like like you mentioned they're they're multinationals that they might have internet their own internal training and they mm -hmm. they're going through and they might be 
really experienced and there's sort of different experience levels we have to deal with as well depending on the brand depending on the team of marketeers that we're working with <clears throat> so yeah i wouldn't say there's any kind of fixed way of working in that sense mm-hmm. it kind of we do obviously have our own um principles and yeah. our own um kind of framework of, of way of working but yeah mm-hmm. it, it evolves per client make sure and to link with theirs some of them have their own structures and ways of working that we're constantly adapting and and trying to get each other to, so, to, to align so how do you get to that problem do you run a workshop and ask questions to really define and make sure that you're zeroing in on the right problem yeah we can do sometimes if it's a big if it's a big challenge um mm-hmm. then we'll we'll run an innovation workshop or a design sprint and things like that. We've got a, a, a strategy for innovation kind of framework as well. So if it's a big strategic challenge, like some of those things I mentioned before, then yes, there'll be a whole phase of work, a whole project really on before you even get to a design brief mm. to really find out how different ways that we could, could take this problem or opportunity and get it into some some design briefs. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a more of a classic design thinking approach. Yeah. But a lot of our work actually comes already packaged in a in the form of a design brief. Yes. Um, okay. And the client will give us quite a specific brief of they want to rebrand or launch a new brand mm-hmm. or launch a new product. At which point, obviously, that's a little bit more straightforward and. And we will call, get a, start a project, to, get a project team together um, and including the client, lots of questions, making sure that we're all super clear on what the brief is. And then we'll come back with a proposal to, to, uh, to run through how we're going to approach the project. Mm. We all align on that. Um, it gets signed off by the client before we then proceed with the project. And and how involved would you be? So obviously you've got this broad background. You know you've you've come from this teaching background, this industrial design background, leading into graphic design. How involved are you in the likes of strategy and story? And did you find that there was a transition there at all, or did you did did that come to you quite naturally? Um, I'm so. Yes, definitely. I'm very, very involved in strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, we all are within within Design Bridge because we see ourselves as a very strategic um, brand design company. We do every project we do starts with strategy. Yeah, um, and also all the way through the process, there's different strategic needs um, to to help in whatever phase it is. Mm-hmm. So. And it's interesting that you say storytelling as well, and because that is one thing that we believe we're really strong at is mm-hmm. the element of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's particularly important when it comes to brand design because it's a story is very emotional, and mm-hmm. we're dealing in the we're in the world of emotional connection. Mm-hmm. We really want to, but for consumers to to experience that positive emotional connection with the brands that we work with so yeah like strategy and storytelling is a huge part of everyone's role actually within within design bridge yeah so um, so do you do you take on 
execution only type work? Do you have clients coming to you saying, you know, we just need this creative execution or do you, no. do you say, well, no, we, we, we start with strategy. We want to make sure that we're solving the right problem first. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. It's rare that we'll take on an execution or job. We might do for some of our long um, mm -hmm. term partners because we know them so well already. Yeah. But we don't need to have a big strategy exercise. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, we see, projects that are more executional or even when you go into the the world of experiences we need to we need to understand the brand strategy we need to understand their consumers in order to create a strong brand identity and a strong visual identity for the brand or multisensorial identity mm -hmm. or we can do these kind of executional things mm -hmm. um, so yeah we we always make sure we've got all those two things covered off before we get into execution. Yeah. You, you touched on there on, on brand experience. And I know that there's a lot of talk these days about brand strategy, um, even storytelling. And there's also a lot of talk about marketing execution. Um, but there is a, a bit of a, a gap there um, that kind of needs to be closed, which is brand experience. And there are a lot of brands out there that completely skip the brand experience. Can you tell me a little bit about what your definition of brand experience is and how important that is when developing a brand? Well, I don't know where I heard this stat recently, but someone, I was listening to something or reading something and they were saying that 80% of consumers interaction with brands is often disconnected from the product itself. It's kind of, we're now living in this world of a complex like marketing ecosystem mm -hmm. where you're getting influenced as a consumer from lots of different angles, lots of different channels, different brand touch points. Um, and for a lot of brands, they're quite fragmented, those, those different um, channels and touch points. They're so often kind of, um, executed by different teams mm. um, or they're quite siloed within the organization. So they're not quite connecting. So mm. the way that we approach it is about connecting all those fragments into, into kind of one coherent story, one mm -hmm. coherent brand story, and then also a consistent visual and multisensorial um application i suppose to make sure that every touch point mm. is is feels right for that brand mm -hmm. um and we also talk about how like your own your brand's only as strong as your weakest touch point mm -hmm. um because yeah if a if a consumer has a bad experience with a brand on a certain social media platform um and that's been undervalued or something they're like oh it's only for that so we'll, we'll do that. And they have a bad experience. It affects your whole brand experience and mm. the, the perception of the brand. So we, we're constantly making sure that we, we're kind of thinking big. So think big about the whole like, ecosystem, the whole brand world and how it all connects. But then also at times having to dive in deep and, and zoom into the detail to make sure that you've got that consistency and that quality Mm -hmm. to make sure that every touch point is executed to the level that represents your brand image. 
Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying about, uh, you know, the siloed or the fractured uh, brand experiences, uh, you know, from big brands to small brands, because, you know, sometimes, as you said, you will have, you know, a social media department over here. They're kind of doing their own thing and maybe sticking to some brand guidelines, but not really. Uh, they might have a style guide maybe. And then over here, you have the customer service team and they're doing something completely different. Then you have the marketing team writing direct response marketing. And as you said, it's it, it can be very fractured. Do you have a look at your, before thinking about designing a brand experience or experiential design, do you look at a brand and audit all its touch points? And then how do you make those connections and bring everybody to the same page? Yeah, exactly. So that would be how we'd start a classic. If we got a new a new client or not even a new client, but if they want us to look at the overall kind of brand experience, um, then yeah, we'll start with an audit of their brand and look at how how they're interacting with consumers in all the different communication or commerce channels um, and evaluate it, um, have an honest bit of feed it, feedback to the client of, of the things that we're observing. Mm -hmm. um, they also might have some data as well because obviously they're tracking different things all the time. They'll have data that they can give, a, give to us as well. Um, and, and that's the strategic element that's of every project we start with starts with strategy. There'll be a lot of strategic thinking once we've done the audit mm -hmm. and to identify the opportunities where we can improve that Mm -hmm. that brand world and that experience um often when you do that this is when you start to realize that maybe the the brand story and the brand strategy needs a little bit of a tweak or needs some yeah. some help if, in order to for everything to connect mm -hmm. or we might realize that the visual identity system hasn't been designed in a way that's op optimized for certain channels or touch points um, or they might need a few more brand assets to help them stretch into a more premium space or to connect with a different target audience. So mm -hmm. that's when we might have to do a bit more kind of design identity work and help them yeah. develop a suite of distinctive assets that, that can be used across the different channels. And then finally, we'll start working into that overall experience, make sure we've got that coherent story and then the consistent touch points. And would there be any uh, sort of touch points that you would kind of stay away from in terms of execution? Obviously, within your wheelhouse, you're going to have your strengths. You're going to have your, your brand identity, your website design and development, and they would be kind of the front lines of your execution skills. But you might come across a brand that needs a bit more in terms of, you know, uh, design within their uh, shop, for example, or certain uh, sensorial uh, aspects to their brand that would not be your, your area of expertise or strength. Are, are there any touch yeah. points that you would stay away from and yeah. you would say, okay, this is the strategy. It's up to you to go away and execute that. We'll look after okay. these three, four, five, six touch points, but you need to get this in line over here. Yeah, the, the main... TV commercials is something we don't go near. Um, <laughs> and there's some amazing um, communication agencies that are experts in that. So we just, we don't go down that, that route. Mm -hmm. We have done kind of 
brand launch movies or product launch movies. Um, but we wouldn't go into a, a kind of short-term tactical campaign mm-hmm. um, and doing TV commercials and, or, yeah, or online commercials. Um, yeah, so that's probably the area that we don't go into. Um, and, that's, and also things like PR. And again, there's some really strong PR agencies out there that, and that's a complex world as well. So they're the two areas I'd say that we don't go into. We, we try yeah. and focus on, on long-term brand thinking, mm-hmm. first of all. So it's not short-term tactical campaigns. It's mm-hmm. more long-term. So that's one reason why we don't go into those two areas. And also we're a design agency. Um, we employ designers. So it's, it's make it all of all the, but that's quite a broad term. There's loads of different ways of, of loads of different types of designers. Of course. So we just stick to the, we stick to the design side of things of, 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 of creating um, things and executing things through a design lens. So would there be a, how would you bridge that gap in terms of the strategy that you put forward? Would you say predominantly the strategies that you put forward include mostly what is in your wheelhouse? And how do you kind of draw those lines? Do you have uh, partnerships, um, you know, other PR agencies, for example, that you work closely with, you know them well, and you would recommend your clients go and work with them? Is, is that how you bridge that gap of, of the areas that you stay away from execution? Yeah, well, we're, our design bridge is actually part of um, WPP. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big multinational creative group. Um, and WPP focus on transformative um, changes for brands as well. And they have a, they have a variety of different agencies within the group that we can collaborate with. So when, when it comes to something that's fat, that's falling outside of our comfort zone, then we can, can speak to one of our sister agencies and mm-hmm. collaborate with them. Yeah. Um, so we often do that and vice versa. They, they also, if they, if there's a brand design opportunity or challenge with some of their clients, then they will also connect with us to, to help as well. So that's usually what we do if, if it's falling outside of what we do. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great way to kind of bridge that gap and to continue to hold your client's hand rather than say, you know, here's a strategy, you go off and execute that yourself. Of course, there is a, a time and a place for, for both, uh, but being able to bridge that gap with, uh, with agencies, with, with broader capabilities kind of gives you that that capability that extended capability to to kind of push them in the right direction now yeah, and it, we love collaboration as well like we've yeah. got even beyond wpp we've got a lot a lot of partners to collaborate with there's only okay. 400 there's 450 of us in design bridge um which sounds a lot but it's not when you compare us to some of the big um communication agencies Mm-hmm. So we do rely on having really strong partnerships with different um, people as well to to bring to life whatever challenge and opportunity we're working on. Yeah. Now, I just heard your 15-minute reminder come up there that you have <laughs> this training session with this new brand in 15 minutes. So I'm not going to keep you much longer. We'll, yes. we'll, get, we'll squeeze one more question in before, uh, before I let you go. 
now of course all of your your clients are different you know from one client to the next so this question will be kind of a, a, a could go any direction but generally if if a uh, if a startup company came to you and they wanted to develop a new brand to make an impact where would be the three core areas that you would look to make sure that they put themselves on the map to get themselves the awareness that they need to to take off okay um so the fir first thing is always start with your consumer so mm -hmm. really really understand your consumer what makes them tick um and think quite personally as well observe them don't just rely on data um so i mentioned earlier about earlier about ethnographic research and how i was trained in that and in, in early in my career and it's it's really useful to chat to consumers observe mm -hmm. consumer behavior mm -hmm. and really get out there and 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 be part of their world um so that you understand the different opportunities or needs of that consumer mm -hmm. and to identify that unmet need that, that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first one. And then once you've identified, identified that, then your role as a brand is then to, to connect with the opportunity to solve the problem, find mm -hmm. a solution for that, for whatever they're looking for. Um, but do it in a unique way that's distinctive to you. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're faced with that challenge with um, new clients or clients we've got, we, we, we often look into their history, their founder story, um, their origin of the company, like find some unique stories that mm -hmm. only you can talk about um, because that makes you distinctive. If, if you're going into a very competitive landscape it's it, people might, will all be talking about the same thing because mm -hmm. they've also studied the consumer they've found the same opportunities the only thing that can make you unique is by looking a bit inward at, at your brand at your company to find out what's distinctive about your story and mm -hmm. the way that you do things so we'll do that for the brand story but then when it comes to visually expressing it as well we'll make sure that we We've got distinctive brand assets um, that help you stand out within that marketplace. So mm -hmm. there's a part of that second point is just to make sure that you've got all the key ingredients ready for the third point, which would be make sure you're thinking holistically and yep. that coherent story across all the different um, uh, different channels that you'll be communicating your brand within. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say that would be my third point is then making sure you're thinking big about that consistency, but then be prepared to deep dive and, and focus on details when you need to, to ensure you get a consistent quality throughout your brand world. Mate, I wish I was uh, sitting in on your, um, on your chat with your, 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 new, <laughs> uh, your new client at the moment, just to kind of get a, a, an insight into, into your world and, and your thorough processes. But it's been, it's been really, uh, really enjoyable to get a, a, a kind of insight into your world, where you've come from and the, the work that you're doing. If anybody wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Design Bridge, where can they, uh, where can they get a hold of you? 
Yeah, go to, go, like you said earlier, go to the website. You can see the, the, some of our work and also my contact details are on the website or, or find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm always open to chatting to people. So weirdly how many of you ended up getting in contact right through That's LinkedIn. It. You just reached out your... to me. Yeah, reached out yeah, to me for some out. of the content. Yeah, loved, loved your content and yeah. appreciated it. So sent a oh. message to you and that's how we start connecting and I'm, I'm yeah open to that all the time absolutely i'm sure if we sat down for for a beer we could we could keep going and going and going and if i'm ever in shanghai or singapore in it in in uh, any near future i'll uh, i'll be sure sure to uh, to hit you up but tom thank you so much for taking the time and uh i hope to speak to you again in the future yeah great thank you very much cheers tom cheers mate We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more brand strategy techniques to level up your skills, make sure you check out brandmasteracademy.com. There's plenty of free resources and premium content for you to download and get you going. If you'd like to join our Facebook group full of like-minded brand strategists all learning from each other, then find us by searching for the Brand Strategy Community where you can find exclusive content for members as well. If you enjoyed this content, please be sure to give us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listened. And make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Brandmaster Podcast.